Hello and welcome to episode 22 of the Ecuador Insider Podcast. I'm Jesse Bayer, joined as always by my business partner, Darnell Dunn. We are the co-founders and managing partners of Abundant Living Ecuador. Uh, we took a few weeks off from the show. We've been super, super busy. Um, a lot of people like to travel down in summer and see properties, so we've been flat out for the last few weeks, but um, we're back today. We have um, a really, really exciting guest today. We have a great attorney out of Guayaquil who can sort of give us um, an overview of, you know, everything Ecuador um, with a legal slant. So we think we can really, um, really give you a lot of value today uh, from an information standpoint. So we'll get to that shortly. Um, you can find us on our website at abecuador.com. That's A as in Apple, B as in boy, ecuador.com. You can reach us on our toll-free line, 888-999-0948. And, of course, email info at abecuador.com. I got to say, I, um, I was taken back in time about 15 years this morning when I overslept. <laughs> so my, apologize, uh, my apologies to you and uh, Darnell and Jose. Um, I was scrambling around. It reminded me of high school this morning, uh, you know, late for class or something. But, uh, but dog um, ate your homework. Right. Dog ate my homework. Um, but here we are. Beautiful day today in Loja. We're in the middle of like the cool season here. Uh, it's on Saturday, July 23rd. We're recording this. And uh, with no further ado, let me introduce Jose Empuero Ramirez. Jose is an attorney based out of Guayaquil, um, fully bilingual, fluent English speaker. Um, Jose has over 10 years of law experience, um, specializes in a number of different areas, which we'll get into him get into with him today. Um, and he's really our go-to attorney for um, larger issues, uh, anything tricky, um, does a lot of corporate stuff. So very valuable person to know and be in contact with. And certainly somebody we feel extraordinarily comfortable um, recommending to people who are uh, looking to immigrate to and or do business in uh, Ecuador. So Jose, how are you doing? Hello, guys. Good morning. morning. I'm fine. Thanks for the invitation. Thank yeah, you very we're, much. Um, psyched I'm very psyched pleased to, have to be here with you. As are we, as are we. So um, maybe we'll start with a little bit of an overview um, of Ecuador. We've um, certainly talked about this in the past, but I think it's important for people to understand sort of the environment here. Um, so I'll just kind of set it up for you, and then what I'd really like to hear from you is just, you know, your very well connected in both to the political and business community. Um, so you have a really good handle on what's going on. So if you could just give our listeners sort of your opinion on things. And basically what I'm talking about is, you know, we've got an election coming up, a national election, a presidential election next year. Um, the economy is is shrinking. Um, GDP is going to be severely negative in 2016. Um, this is after a year of flat growth and then you know, before that, almost almost 15 or 12 or plus years of, you know, exceptional growth. 
Um, banks are lending less, oil prices are down, governments reigning in spending, uh, real estate prices are dropping to a, to a small degree, which we can talk about as well. Um, but what are you kind of seeing from your standpoint, both as it relates to the, to the politics of Ecuador, the election, and then overall for businesses, for the business climate, the economy in general? Well, indeed, it's a very hard time now for the Ecuadorian economy since we depend in the, on the oil prices. And as uh, for all the oil producer countries, it's uh, very hard to sustain the, the local economy with such a small price of the, of the oil. So the government has a very hard uh, time finding resources to sustain all the, the expenses. Uh, all the, the uh, business in general are uh, in a recession. There's a general recession and you can sense it everywhere. Mm -hmm. There's a very, very uh, big uh, shortage of, of money flowing in the economy. And uh, it's uh, something that will go on for several months until the oil prices hopefully will recover to a certain level. And uh, we are expecting elections next February. So the political uh, environment is also very um, agitated. Mm -hmm. uh, the uh, the actual uh, the actual president uh, movement, which is Alianza País, mm -hmm. uh, will uh, postulate their candidates, uh, but in the same uh, political position uh, of socialism. Right. They call it uh, 21st century socialism, <laughs> and um, same thing as in Venezuela. Right. Bolivia, Nicaragua, right. Cuba, and we all know the results there. So um, unless uh, the opposition wins, uh, I don't th I don't see the economy uh, very well for the next years. Yeah, and I want to jump back into the economy in a minute, but um, you know I've seen a number of polls recently that has. Uh, the president's approval rating between 28 and 33 percent. So certainly he's unpopular right now in the country. Um, most presidents are when the economy is bad, of course. Um, but a lot of people I talk to just don't think there's any truly strong opposition candidate that can take uh, the Alianza País party out. W what do you think? Yes, I agree with that. Unless the opposition agree to launch and support one only candidate to, you know, compete against the, the governmental movement, there, I don't see any good chances to win because there, are, there, are any, there aren't uh, new figures, new leaders that can uh, take over. Nobody in the actual um, political scene has enough uh, weight 
to um, compete against the Alianza País. And um, who would be who would be your candidate of choice for that for that sole uh, opposition candidate to be? Are you kind of uh, on Lasso's train, or who do you like? Well, I'm still uh, I'm still waiting to see yeah. who else will run mm-hmm. for a public office. But because uh, right now, uh, I, no no one I, I don't like any of, of the actual candidates. But it's too early. They in the next uh, weeks. Or in the next few months, they will keep uh, coming out. The you know the rest of the candidates, mm-hmm. so we will uh, have a uh, more options. But as I see things, uh, I'm voting for someone who has a completely different conception of the economy. I am uh, uh, com- I am convinced that the liberalism, economic liberalism, is the only way for a country to succeed. Yeah, cer- certainly restricting economic movement has not been successful. <laughs> yes, indeed. So I will go, my choice will be definitely for someone from the right wing. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, jumping back to business for a second before we get into a bunch of legal stuff and some other things, um, you know, we've seen not in mass, but we've certainly seen some amount of business people um, in the area we are um, heading out of the country, you know, going to places like Peru and Colombia. Um, what have you seen as far as I mean, we had a for example, there's a car dealership here in Loja that was averaging 30-something car sales a month. They got down to single digits and, and just recently decided to close their doors. Um, so we've you know certainly seen some of the effects of the economy. A lot of businesses here locally are really hurting. Um, is that the same as you're seeing all over the country? Yes. There are lots of businesses that has closed their, their doors and uh, some other that decided to move to, the, to Colombia or to Peru where investment environment and tax imposition are better for business. Mm-hmm. It's incredible how high taxes have rised here in Ecuador. Mm-hmm. In, when an economy is in recession, you, you should, you're supposed to do the opposite. The opposite. Right. You're not supposed to increase taxes, but to lower them, to stimulate the economy. But this socialist government, well, they just do the other way. And that is bad for business. Um, I know big companies that move uh, their whole business chain to Peru, Colombia, even though they, uh, they don't have uh, the dollar as a currency, but uh, it's, uh, it's just not uh, good for them to stay here. Yeah, the socialist tax policies have been have really been a problem. And uh, there's been a lot of announcements, rumors about other taxes, particularly with capital gains in the estate tax or ley de gerencias. What have you heard on that front? Well, the capital gain tax, is, it's been a matter of a big uh, national discussion for the last months. And um, it's outrageous what the 
state wants to, the cut the state wants. They are stating that it's illegitimate for a particular to obtain capital gain from real estate. And that's, that's just outrageous. If you because invest they're, in a property, they're taking taxpayer dollars to build roads. And so if they build a road next to your urban property and uh, you profit from that, then that's their money. Yeah. <laughs> well, there are so, so much other taxes that you pay for that road or for that park or for that the city hall. It's, it's the entity who charges you for all the, you know, all the, the things that go and uh, near, nearby your property and increase its value. But now the government also wants to take in. The capital gain tax is uh, currently charged by the municipalities. So the city hall was um, a 10% flat rate with a capital gain tax. But now the central government also wants to take a piece of that and it's increasing it, um, in a very substantial portion this tax. But uh, as I say, it's not only because of uh, the public... Uh, um, work they do with roads and uh, schools and hospitals and it's because they have increased the amount of bureaucrats and they right. have so much uh, advertising campaign going on we, right. we are living in a state of propaganda right now yep. that they need to keep the cash flowing in to sustain this uh, uh, big state we have. Yep. No, I mean, Darnell, uh, you had sent me a stat the other day that at the height of spending under Correa, uh, public spending, government spending, had gotten as high as 44% of GDP. Yeah. I mean, that, that's, that's insane. I mean, that's just absolutely unsustainable. That's absolutely crazy. And there is, uh, by, a, uh, by a constitutional principle, there is a, a, a top of, um, in, of debt that the government can, uh, um, can have mm -hmm. with all these foreign uh, credit entities, which is 40% of the GDP. And we are very close to that roof, to that top of 40% of the GDP. And now they want to pass an act to change this 40% top of indebtedness to, to increase it. So they can sure. just keep lending Borrowing. more money. Yeah. Borrowing more, more money. So they, they just don't stop. Yeah, it's, an, it's incredible the amount of changes that we, the two of us, have seen in three years here in Ecuador. We had also heard that the government was considering increasing the um, capital flight tax from 5% to 10%. Have you heard anything about that? 
Yes, I've heard some rumors, but I don't think um, I don't think that will will pass. Five mm percent -hmm. is a very very high Area. tax right now, very high rate, and definitely discourages people from coming and investing in in Ecuador. Yeah, uh, that's a very big um, counter. Uh, that's a very big if when considering investing in Ecuador. Right. That when you want to take back your profit, you got to give 5% to the government. Yeah, off the top, off the net. Yeah, uh, after the all the other taxes that you have to pay. Yeah. <clears throat> your income tax, your profit tax, your you have to pay uh, dozens of taxes here. It's yeah. incredible. No, and I mean, you know, what I've seen, uh, obviously, just in my experience here, the taxes on imports and then the taxes on capital flight, which are um, at least theoretically designed to keep money in the country, simply make money leave the country. So investors um, are wary of Ecuador because of the 5% capital flight tax. Uh, investors in business or uh, entrepreneurs and business people are wary of Ecuador because of the import taxes as well. So what people do here is they keep their money outside of the country. And, um, you know, that's a direct result of those taxes, which are, you know, ostensibly designed to uh, keep money in the country. As a matter of fact, most of my real estate clients, when they sell property, they expect to receive their money abroad. Abroad. They don't want their money here. Right. Nobody does. Yeah, that's that's certainly been my experience too. Anybody who um, who has an account outside of the country, they always ask us to um, to arrange uh, to arrange the sale outside of the country if and when possible. Are you hearing any other rumors or um, news about potential new regulations or or laws related to real estate transactions, taxes, anything along those lines? Well, uh, there's a new, here in Guayaquil at least, there are, there are new prices that are being charged as a part of the uh, real estate closings. Mm -hmm. They have, they, they are down. Prices are down in the uh, property registrar and the, um, in the notaries as, as well, um, they have a, uh, downsized a bit all these uh, values, all these, these charges that that uh, these entities uh, charge you. So in other words, the notary fees and the property register fees have gone down? Yes, uh -huh. because it, it was crazy what they were charging just uh, six months ago. So somebody uh, realized that this was discouraging as well transactions real estate transactions and now they have um, coming down they, they it's it's a that's a good sign and is that a result of revaluation reassessing uh, property value or is that just that they've lowered the fees I'm not sure about that but if, for example when uh, when you incorporate when you create a, a corporation uh, they used to charge you 
a lot of, a big fee for uh, registration. Mm-hmm. And now there's a flat fee for almost every process, uh, corporation process that you need to register, which is 25 bucks, which is very, very cheap. Mm-hmm. That, uh, that's uh, what's going on in Guayaquil at least, but every um, city has its own uh, uh, registrars, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, what we're seeing here in Loja is the opposite of that. Everything's going up in in costs as far as our you know fee, government fees. Well, significantly even, and they're, what they're doing here is they're putting um, outrageously high assessed values on properties, and as you know, the Akabala tax, the transfer tax, as well as the regi- pro- uh, the notary fees and the property register fees are calculated off of the assessed value. So if the government says that it's three times higher than it is, or five times higher than it is, or 10 times higher than it is, um, you know, you're know you paying a lot more in taxes and fees. Well, um, as you may know, the uh, major of the city of Guayaquil is uh, Jaime Nebot, right. which, which he's, he has, the, uh, he's a, you know, uh, the realist. Yeah, yeah. He he he's a private uh, businessman uh, all his life. Now he has like uh, almost sixteen years in office, but uh, he understands business in a different way as uh, the president. Mm-hmm. So this guy has kept uh, frozen the the, the uh, real estate values for property tax. Purposes, so no increase in Guayaquil about that. Well, we might have to start our next business in Guayaquil then. <laughs> yeah, but it's uh, that's uh, it's very little um, what the city can do against the central government, right? Because all the big taxes they go for the central government. Well, shifting gears, we've I think we've uh, talked enough about what's going wrong in Ecuador, and uh, but also it's good information just for people to be informed. I know that we've worked a lot together on immigration law. We continue to have a lot of people who've contacted us about relocating to Ecuador, looking at properties. Uh, I know that's one of your specialties. Can you talk a little bit about the steps to immigrating to Ecuador, um, specifically related to some of the most common options that people approach you about with getting residency? Yeah, sure. Uh, Indeed, I do immigration law. I've done hundreds of visa applications. It's amazing the the amount of people that's uh, coming into Ecuador to live. I do both immigrant and non-immigrant visas. Uh, it's funny how I started doing immigration law. That was back in 2009 when my partner at the law firm was appointed for public office by the Minister of Foreign Affairs as the head of the ministry in the province of Guayas. So I was an external advisor to him. Mm-hmm. and. Uh, you know, I learned all the process from the inside. And after his resignation, I started taking care of foreign clients 
who were looking to obtain a visa. So the most common visas are uh, as, a, as an investor, both in uh, real estate or CDs. Um, CDs have to, got to have a, a minimum amount of 25K. Uh, you do the uh, deposit in a, in a local um, bank institution. And then you have, you got to keep in mind before coming to Ecuador, that it's very important for you to bring your criminal record, both federal-wide and statewide. And it has to be a postile mm -hmm. for the document to be valid in Ecuador. Every document issued in a foreign country in order to be valid, to consider valid in Ecuador, it has to be a postile. The apostille in the States is given by the secretary of, of each state. Mm -hmm. Then you got to translate it. You can do the translation up there or you can do it down here. That doesn't matter. And uh, uh, that's basically the two things that you got to keep in mind. Forms and all the rest of the paperwork, uh, we take care of that here. It's not it's not very complicated. Also, your uh, your passport needs to be at least six months uh, until the expiration date. It has to be valid at least six months before the expiration date. Uh, when you want to invest in real estate, the property has to be valued also in at least twenty five grand. That is not only the deed price but the municipality value. Yeah, the assessed value. Yes, the assessed value. They got to be at least 25 grand. One thing to keep in mind that is important in a real estate uh, investor's visa is that you cannot sell the property because that is your visa ground. That's the grounds of, of your visa. Mm -hmm. It's attached you to your visa. Yeah, if you sell it, you just lose the visa. Mm -hmm. But you can uh, substitute the property that you first purchased for some other property that you may want to purchase further. Mm -hmm. That's not a problem. You just got to make the switch in the visa office. There are also professional visas. Uh, we have a very large list of the universities that Ecuadorian government uh, recognizes as, as, as valid. Uh, so if you come with your diploma and your university is on the list, you can apply for a professional visa. Um, you got to first uh, make the validation process of your diploma and then approach to the uh, visa office to to submit all the paperwork for the professional visa. Also, and with the professional visa, the um, criminal records still apply, of course, correct? For every type of visa, you gotta bring your criminal record when immigrating. When immigrating, all immigration visas require criminal record, both federal and statewide. It's, it's gotta be from the state 
where you live from for the past five years. It's not where you were born, but where you live for the past the last five years. Mm -hmm. Just FYI for people, if you shoot over to our YouTube channel, um, we made a video about the this process as well, which you can check out. Um, and then we also offer uh, relocation services where we can help you with that. And we also would highly, highly recommend Jose um, if you're looking to do a no-hassle uh, visa application. Thank you. Uh, there's also um, a visa for people who are uh, willing to invest in, in stocks of a, a limited liability company. You can you can uh, invest in in these uh, shares. It's, it's, uh, that's a word, not stock. Mm -hmm. Shares of a of a company, but that has to be uh, valued at least in thirty grand. Mm -hmm. That's uh, uh, the minimum amount of investment. It's gotta be thirty grand, and. Uh, you can use the company for, you know, whatever business purpose you may have. So people who are uh, planning to start business here and want to incorporate, they can use that corporation as a vehicle or as a ground for their visa. Mm -hmm. Attach attach the visa to the to the that investment, the business investment. Yes. Uh, regarding to the the family. For every uh, dependent, you know, wife, kids, uh, you can even come with your mother-in-law or your brother-in-law. Uh, Although I don't know if that would be highly recommended. <laughs> <laughs> you, gotta, you just got to add $500 uh, for each person to your investment. Right. So if you're coming with your family, children, etc. Yes, you can come with your whole family, and just want to. You just uh, will need to do one application, and then you can cover your family under this uh, application. Just just add in five hundred bucks to your original investment. Mm -hmm. There's you know, also. Jose, um... You know, we get a lot of questions from people who are looking to relocate here who may not be of retirement age, looking to make investments, looking to start companies. Uh, obviously, the uh, environment here currently is a little bit challenged, um, but because there's maybe less people coming here looking to do that, you know, the opportunities are still there. I know, you know, Jesse and I see a lot of opportunities here for businesses. What's been your overall sense there? What's the overall business climate in Waikil? And what kinds of businesses are your expat clients um, looking to start or discussing with you about starting? Well, indeed, uh, every crisis uh, involves opportunities. Uh, since I'm located in Waikil, I have uh, most of my expat clients located along the coast, mm -hmm. and they—they, uh, they, I have a, a couple of clients who have uh, hostels, hotels, and um, these type of businesses, which are uh, doing well 
during the our summer, mm-hmm. which winter in the states, our our winter, I mean, which is when the kids go off school and everybody goes to the beach. Right. There's two seasons for that: one for the highlands and one for the coast. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it keeps very busy for for them from February to late April, and then from July to September, mm-hmm. more or less. And uh, they they keep um, they keep themselves busy, and uh, they also there there's also uh, service uh, people who are offering different services. I know a couple of engineers and architects who are. Um, developing, uh, they are in, into the construction business. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a guy, uh, a, a good friend, that uh, is your competition. <laughs> he started a uh, real estate business mm-hmm. along the coast. He goes all up to Manabi and uh, Guayas as well. And, uh, you know, expats, they keep themselves busy. Have you seen uh, people getting into agriculture a lot, like cacao, things like that? Yes, yes. In the in the southern part of Manabi, there is uh, one uh, guy from Arizona who is uh, growing all types of vegetables that they are not usually grown in the in the coast. He's he's uh, built these uh, greenhouses. Mm-hmm with uh, some special ventilation devices. Uh, he has all the know-how. It's amazing. And he's growing all these vegetables and fruits that are not, not typical from the coast, but in the greenhouses, it, uh, they grow very, very well. Mm-hmm. And he, he's doing it uh, for now for his own consumption and for the expat community, which is a very small community uh, in the southern part of Manabi. But he's planning to, you know, to uh, offer his production to some other uh, cities and provinces. This he's it's completely organic, and uh, I'm sure he will do very well because there's most expats they do care a lot about their food, about you know, type of food they get. Yeah, I would say there's definitely. I mean, I, I know a lot of people too have making making money in in cacao and uh, what's that tree called? Like teak or something like that. Um, people are people are doing pretty well in and then obviously there's people still making money in things like bananas and shrimp and all that. Um, you know, I wanted to ask you this question. What um does it, I, I was talking to someone the other day who was telling me about some of the export taxes, which I was not familiar with. What do you know about that? Well. There's no export taxes. There isn't. Okay, he was wrong. I thought so because I, I didn't think there was export taxes, but he was saying there was, and I was I was a little confused. No, what the government had um, as a project, it, it's a uh, it's something that it's ha- haven't uh, been approved yet. Mm-hmm. It's to give the all the export activities, give them. Like um, like a bond for all the dollars they have to collect abroad, they will 
you know, give their give them a bond that they can switch with all the import guys that have to put the money outside. It's it's but it's a it's something that it has no sense that it I, will. I didn't uh, understand. Can you explain that again? Yeah, exporting uh, businesses, mm -hmm. they sell and they. Uh, they have to, you know, receive money in the country or mm -hmm. or or whatever, mm -hmm. wherever they have, they want their money. Mm -hmm. So to assure that these people are getting the money into the country, uh, I see. the government had the idea, which is not very brilliant, to Shocker. give them a document, a bond, yeah. for that uh, whatever amount of the export, so they can give it or switch it to the importers importers they have to send money abroad uh -huh. to bring their merchandise right mm -hmm. so they wanted these guys to sit down and just uh switch i got you but these haven't passed and this uh i don't think it will because it's uh it's it, it's something that won't work I don't know that anything this government has ever done has worked, but <laughs> that's a separate separate story. Yeah. I also do a lot of corporate law. Right. Uh, so um, yeah, I'm a legal advisor for, for some big firms here in Guayaquil. Mm -hmm. And uh, they're a bit worried about this, but they're... Um, the saying is that it was just an idea, stupid idea, but an idea. Yeah, I mean, the problem in Ecuador is that every time the president mentions one of his stupid ideas, money leaves the country. <laughs> so, you know, they don't have to enact their stupid ideas. They just have to talk about them to hurt the economy. Yes. And the problem is that the president talks Every Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> right. For like, what, an hour or two? How five long? hours. Five hours? Oh, my God. Yes. It's like four or five hours. And he just like uh, brainstorms in these four or five hours. Lots sure a lot of good ideas come out of that session. Yeah. And, uh, you know, rumors start there and people start to worry. Right. That's not good for business. Yeah, I think that's part of the expansion in government spending. You know, <laughs> the production of a five-hour show once a week. According to the president, that's only 30 grand per program. That's according to him, but I, I'm sure it's a lot more. And that's also not a small amount of money because you multiply that by, by you know, four times a... Uh, four times a month, 12 months a year. That seems like a lot of money for him just talking to the people. Yeah, but he says that that's not the reason why the country is broke. <laughs> no, it's all the other spending. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's all the things that he talks about on the show that's bankrupting <laughs> the country. <laughs> Oh, wow. I had no idea. I mean, I'm proud to say I've never seen that show. I'd certainly heard about it. I did not know it was five hours. That's impressive.
and the market keeps going down and down and down. Yeah. So what are you, uh, so corporate, talk about that for a second. Um, I know you do some political legal work as well. You do some corporate stuff. What, what, um, you got any anecdotes to share with us there that uh, would be interesting for people? Well, while I was in law school, I used to work as a paralegal in a big vacuum law firm, which specialized in corporate law. I spent three years in that law firm and I still do corporate law. So I have, a uh, uh, big, uh, big firms, big uh, commercial firms uh, within my clients. A uh, couple of years ago, back in 2014, when we had the uh, municipality elections, a uh, guy who was elected three times back in the 90s, as a mayor of a city called Playa, right, yeah. hired me as a lawyer. He uh, he was fed up of these big traditional political parties, and he wanted to create his own local uh, political movement. Okay. So uh, I did the whole uh, constitution. I created the, this uh, uh, political movement, local movement. For, for this guy and his uh, and his his people, which are quite a few, and uh, he ran for a major back in the elections of yep. 2014. Like but yeah, in Playas, that's a city in the coast. Playas, yeah. Playas, mm -hmm. yeah. It's a small city. It has like yeah. 50. 50,000 people living there. Yeah, that, I mean, that's the town that's about halfway between Guayaquil and Salinas, correct? Yeah, it's um, like 50 minutes away from Guayaquil. Mm -hmm. It's on the way to Salinas, mm -hmm. and it has uh, 14 kilometers interrupted, uninterrupted of beach a very wide beach. Mm -hmm. It's a beautiful place. Anyhow, this guy, he runs... Uh, for major, and um, I was, of course, the legal advisor of the movement. Mm -hmm. On the election day, on the election day, something really, really outrageous happened. Mm -hmm. After the polls were closed and they were counting all the votes, military kicked out of the counting place to all the representatives of this local movement that helped to create. Mm -hmm. And they just kept counting, you know, with no uh, no re representatives of this, of, of my client. Mm -hmm. After a few hours... I, I take it from that he lost. <laughs> after a few hours, people just broke into the place. There was a big mass of angry people, you know, I'm talking about hundreds of people, and uh, they found boats that were ripped off and burnt, all in favor of this candidate. Of course, uh, and I assume I, well, I assume he was running against like an Alianza País candidate, or yes, the Alianza País candidate won the election. Sure, he did. We. Uh, put 
uh, lawsuit against uh, the election process. We uh, al also did, uh, we filed a criminal uh, lawsuit against uh, this winning candidate because of the fraud. It's, uh, they committed fraud. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, we didn't succeed. Uh, they said we had uh, no right to put the claim, and uh, the judge, uh, they ruled in favor of the winning candidate. Yeah, going against the government here is, is not a small undertaking. Yeah, it's very hard to win against the government here. It's very hard. Well, Jesse, anything else you wanted to touch on? Um, yeah, you know, Jose, I just, um, let's just take five minutes. I'd love to hear your experiences. I know you were in the country, um, you know, let's see, that was 16 years ago, so you were pretty young at that point, but I obviously you, um, you know, witnessed it. Um, I, uh, you know, a lot of people around the world who study uh, the money system, who study economics, debt levels, and so forth, are concerned about, the dollar, concerned about the euro, um, other currencies as well, of course. Um, you know, and Ecuador is a country that actually had a currency collapse um, in 2000, um, you know, since dollarized. Um, I'd love to just hear um, if you could just, you know, give us your firsthand account of what you saw and what, you know, how that went and what you saw take place at that time. Um, I think that would be insightful for people to hear. Sure. Back in 99, people had all their savings froze by the government because we were heading, we were entering a big crisis mm -hmm. caused mainly by the inorganic emission of money. We had the Sucre as a currency. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the government just kept printing money Mm -hmm. And uh, inflation rose to the crazy, craziest levels, mm -hmm. and uh, things got out of control. The economy went so bad that um, people, they just couldn't pay their loans. And when the bubble exploded, we found out that most of the loans made by banks were made to the own bankers, uh, other businesses. Mm -hmm. uh, that's what we call the linked credits. Mm -hmm. Bankers were not only bankers. They also had uh, TV channels, radio stations, uh, big uh, vehicle import and distribution businesses. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, whatever kind of business you can think of, the bankers were part of it. Mm -hmm. So they were not only bankers, but they were big actors of the economy. And uh, all these companies that they had economical uh, interest in, they just kept, uh, um, you know, loans open, while for the rest of the economy, they were closed. And as soon as the big uh, scenario, economical scenario went bad, and business that started doing wrong, they couldn't pay back to the to the banks. Mm -hmm. So it started with one bank that went, you know, bankruptcy. Mm -hmm. 
and it was like a domino effect. Unle uh, although that the central bank helped with uh, uh, some cash, you know. They printed more money. Yeah, they injected <laughs> money to these banks. They couldn't hold them. And it was like a domino effect. One, it was started with when and it like 10 or 15 financial institutions ended up closing. And Jose, just um, just to just to interject real quick with a question. During that time when that crisis was starting, you were telling me before, what were banks paying for deposits interest rate? I remember uh, up to 80% right. interest rate for the for Sucre's deposit. Imagine. So I just wanted to get that in there, but go ahead. It's It was outrageous. I, and, and people were, were willing to put their money in a, you know, the greed. That's just yeah. human nature. Willing to put the money into a bank who was paying 80% uh, interest. That's a big alert. Red light. Red light. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'd say a bank that's paying, you know, 8% interest is a, is a big alert. <laughs> that's, a, that's a red flag, definitely, for <laughs> common people. But I, uh, the back, back in 1999, I remember people were willing to put their money in these banks. There also, I remember a big... Um, Manifestation, the public man, they they uh, went to the streets. Uh, the owner of the of, of this first bank that went bankruptcy, mm -hmm. and he had lots of people behind him, thousands of people in the streets. They were, you know, uh, protesting against the the government because they wanted more uh, uh, liquidity or money, cash in injections. And the money, the government said no more. So to avoid the bank from closing, they went out of the streets, and and he had all all these uh, people behind uh, behind him. I just can't understand how people were willing to put their money in these eighty percent rate interest banks. I had actually heard as well too. Maybe you have some other s similar stories of people who sold properties, sold cars, um, sold lots of other personal belongings in order to put their money in the bank to earn 80%. Yes, indeed. Everybody, everybody wanted to, you know, make, make uh, or earn this big interest rate they were paying. The interesting thing is what happened after the banks closed and all the money was frozen. Instead of giving the money back, they will issue a certificate for that money. So they didn't give you back the money, but a piece of paper. Like an IOU. <laughs> yes. We swear. In, yes. And to cash that certificate of deposit, they will pay you like a 60% uh, as a discount. Nobody wanted those bonds, those certificates. So right. you not only had your money froze, couldn't uh, get, get it out, 
and it took like three, four months to get these certificates. And now when you had finally these certificates in your hand, they were paid at a 60% discount. So, so they so they chopped forty percent. Oh no, they chopped sixty percent off. No, I'm sorry. Or they 40%. chopped forty percent. Yeah, they, they were, chopped forty percent. They were valued. They they, they paid were valued they paid sixty cents on their dollar. Yeah, yeah, of the nominal value. So mm -hmm. it was terrible, a terrible time for the the Ecuadorian people. I remember uh, people in the streets uh, crying and. Uh, yeah crashing the, in, into the banks that were uh, empty, empty, but they were trying to get in and police were, you know. So here we, here we, are, six, here we are 16 years later and everybody's money's back in the banks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but it was a very hard time for us. And uh, that's why we dollarized. That's why we uh, assumed dollar as, as our currency so they they can keep uh, politicians from just printing money and mm -hmm. take the country to hell. Right. So they just borrow it. They borrow it from China instead. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> borrow from China. Yes. So instead, you guys have our politicians in the United States printing your money. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, good. I think we'll uh, we'll leave it there, Jose. Um, first off, I just wanted to thank you for joining us. We appreciate it. A lot of great information for everyone. And then secondly, I wanted to just give you an opportunity to uh, let our listeners know how they can reach you. Oh, yes, sure. My email is josealbertoampuero at gmail.com. That is J-O-S-E. A L B E R T O A M P U E R O at gmail.com. That's my email address, and I will be glad to, you know, just attend any questions you have or requirements. Yeah, and again, um, you know, it can be hard to find a good attorney in Ecuador. Um, you know, we've worked with Jose since we got here for three years now. Um, he's a great attorney, so highly, highly recommended um, from our perspective. Yeah. The other thing that's hard is just to find someone who can explain to you things that really don't make sense if you're coming from the States or Canada or what have you. I mean, things are just much different here in Ecuador. And I know that um, just from personal experience, one of the things that's been most helpful about working with you, Jose, is just your command of English and your ability to articulately explain, you know, why you need this document or that document or why the process works in a certain way. So um, on a personal level, thank you very much for that. You're welcome, guys. Thank you for having me here in your show. Thanks. Talk to you Jose, later. take care, man. Have a great day. So do you. Bye. See you. Bye. So, um figure we'll wrap up just with um, how you can contact us. Again, you can reach us at our website at www.abequador.com. That's A as in Apple, B as in boy, Ecuador.com. You can reach us toll free at 888-999-0948 or via email at info at abequador.com. 
Catch you guys next week. Take care.